Yeah, it's a major life transition for women that's not acknowledged, you know, or talked about, really. It's just like a failing or a loss or a... A giving up. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. On our journey through life, we will come upon moments that invite us to reinvent ourselves. Big changes can do this, like moving away from home, getting married, starting a family, or choosing not to start a family. How can we slow down in these moments and really honor what's changing? Really honor how we're changing? This is Shame Piñata. Welcome to Shame Piñata, where we talk about creating rites of passage for real-life transitions. Today, we're going to go deep. Are you ready? We're going to dive into one of those moments that's really a rite of passage, an initiation, a change. One of those moments that ceremony is perfect for because it invites us to use all of our creativity and all of our heart. And what's more, it invites us to use ceremony for what ceremony does best, create the container to hold the strong emotions that come up with big changes. Tristy Taylor joins us today to share the story of her unbaby shower, a three-part ceremony she designed when she and her husband decided to stop trying to conceive. She took her time. She followed the threads of what was changing in her, and she ended up creating a beautiful ceremony that both honored her grief and was also a celebration. Yeah, I mean, I think it does start with the, the journey my husband and I were on to make a baby together. And after trying the usual routes and discovering that nothing was happening, we entered the world of fertility treatments, medical intervention, and um, started down that road, which included some pretty powerful hormone therapy that was quite a journey to be on that uh, Basically, all my emotions were at 11 all the time. <laughs> so, like, you know, small inconveniences became, like, fiery, mountainous, rage-fueled tirades. <laughs> um, and eventually did uh, end up having a pregnancy, but then that pregnancy was... The pregnancy ended up being ectopic, so the uh, fertilized egg um, embedded in my fallopian tube. And, you know, we didn't know that, and I ended up going to the emergency room one night with just intense abdominal pain, and they took one look at me and said, you're bleeding internally, we need to open you up immediately, and then that's when they discovered that that my tube had ruptured, my fallopian tube had ruptured. And after that experience, um, we kept trying, but it started to sh 
all signs started to point to this was going to be painful and challenging and not really get us where we wanted to be. And uh, my husband and I talked for a long time about what that choice meant to be child-free. And he kind of took it in stride and sort of said, well, you know, I'm going to use that energy to do other things. And he, like, started his own business and, you know, spent a lot of time away from me and away from home kind of diving into almost a little bit avoidant, perhaps, of his own feelings, but building this business that he'd always wanted to create and felt free to create now that we weren't trying to create a family and all the sort of pressures that might have come with being a parent, it, it kind of freed him up. And kind of the opposite happened to me, where I just felt like my life had been pressed, like the pause button had been pressed on my life, and I didn't know what happened next. And being someone who really tries to show up to what's happening in my life, regardless of whether or not I understand it, I realized that I needed to honor this loss so, and to really allow some space and time to feel the grief of the loss of being a mother and, and even this particular pregnancy loss with the ectopic pregnancy. And um, being an interfaith minister, I read a lot about all sorts of rituals. And I had recently read a really beautiful piece about the modern day of sitting Shiva for someone who had passed away from the Jewish tradition. And knowing that Shiva means seven, seven days. And I really like felt the like ritual power behind that I mean it's a ritual but that seven days like I really felt how to devote seven straight days to my grief where grief came first and nothing else had precedence over my sitting inside of my grief my whole body just resonated with that and I just it was like yes that's what we're gonna do and that's what I did, and I didn't uh, really, other than my husband, I didn't talk to anybody. I ended up doing a lot of crafting, which felt really good. I ended up um, making these kind of heartfelt, heart-shaped sachets with, like, lavender and different herbs in them, Con these sort of calming, craft-sewing kind of stuff that, would, that was very focused, but I was also kind of putting my grief into these pieces that I was making. And yeah, it was, it was very powerful time and, um, spent a lot of time in nature and just cried a lot and, um, didn't think about the future or what my life would look like. I just really tried to focus on the moment, um, which is challenging, you know, our Western culture really pushes us to get over our grief as soon as possible, not to dwell and like all of that stuff when really I think 
the more we can show up for our grief, the more it can beautifully move through us and we can truly let it go. We have to feel it first. During the time of sitting Shiva with her grief, Tristy had a dream. In the dream, she was out in the snow, looking into a kind of hut, a hut that felt very ancient. Inside the hut, women dressed in animal skins were gathered around a very, very pregnant woman, putting oils on her and celebrating her. There was a fire in the hut, but Tristy was outside in the cold, and she knew through the knowledge that comes in dreams that she was not allowed into the ritual because she was not fertile and she would be bad energy for the pregnant space. And I woke up crying and hurt, very hurt by the dream. And I also know from doing dream work all my life that no dream ever comes to hurt us and be like, look at you, you know, you're stuck, haha, you know. Our dreams always come for health and wholeness. And so I really sat with the dream. I drew pictures from the dream. I felt into it. And, and the gift that came out of the dream, because I do think all nightmares have a gift, the, the gift that came out of the dream was this idea for an unbaby shower. Because it didn't feel fair to me that I should be left out in the cold. And this transition that I was making is just as valuable as the transition of becoming a mother, the transition to not be a mother. And so I connected with two very good friends who are great ritual makers. And um, we started to piece together this whole ceremonial ritual around having this on baby shower and it started with the grief it started with doing a grief ritual with these two women and um, really having their support and being in nature together and making food together and and then that transitioned into this more celebratory shower space where about 18 women came to my house and painted my body with body paints and gave me blessings. And it was so interesting because it was raining at the beginning of the shower, the shower. Mm -hmm. um, so we all had to like jam into my little, you know, 700 square foot house. <laughs> and then by the afternoon, the sun had come up and then I was all like covered in body paint. And we just <laughs> went outside and we're just running around and, and it was so joyful. There was so much joy. And the way I kind of completed the ritual was making this dedication to being a creator, being a spiritual guide, being offering my gifts to the world. If I wasn't going to be mothering a new life, then I would be holding this spiritual creative space for others. And it always makes me think of that Dolly Parton quote, because she also couldn't have children. She tried and she couldn't have them. And she just said, well, God just decided that I'm going to be mom to everybody's kids, you know? And, like, I just love that. Uh, and I love being, you know, an auntie to my friend's kids. And that feels really, like, a powerful and important role as, as my aunties were to me as a kid. Um, so that's, that's how that all came about.
I love I love that. I love I love the way that you love ritual and you lean into it and into your dreams. And I love your stories because I love to hear you listening. Mm. The layers at which you listen inspire me. Mm. And remind me what you discovered about your grandmother and your great grandmother. Yeah. Um, so my my ruptured tubal pregnancy where I had to have emergency surgery was on March 3rd and my my mother told me that her mother my grandmother was born on March 3rd and I remembered that her mother my great-grandmother died giving birth to her Mm. so my great-grandmother died on March 3rd giving birth and I had this emergency surgery that saved my life, and I would have died mm. through trying to become a mother. Mm. So there was this fascinating karmic ancestral wound being healed, I believe. Mm. I didn't die. Mm. I survived. Mm-hmm. And I really do, from the ancestral work that I've done in my life, I've had visceral experiences because time is not linear in that world. Like time is a spiral. It's past, it's present, it's future, all at once. And so the healing that I did on that day and continue to do ripples back to Mm -hmm. my ancestors. You know, and that's my female line. It's my mother's mother's mother. You know, that all of that is relevant to my experience. You know, and, and of course none of that was planned. It's just how it unfolded. It's mm-hmm. one of those kind of magic, unexplainable moments, you know, where, where we kind of put the pieces together afterwards and it's like, oh, <laughs> that seems significant. <laughs> uh, I've always loved the, the physiological connection that we have to our grandmothers because... I always have trouble saying it. I, the egg that became me and my mother's ovary, that in your egg was, was in my grandmother's body. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's so crazy. Yeah. Incredible. And the work they've done about how, like, the stress and trauma of our grandmothers are in those eggs within mm. eggs. Like, we're literally physically inheriting. Mm-hmm that trauma, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, powerful healing work that we all can do as women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tristy's story inspired me so deeply because of the depth of her commitment to the process. Letting the grief ritual come to her, sitting Shiva for the seven days, then creating the unbaby shower to return her to society as a woman who will not be having children. Listening to her story reminded me of my own journey on the road to motherhood and my ultimate decision not to go there. I so appreciate hearing the story of the unbaby shower because I went through my own process of figuring out of having a moment in time in my life when I needed to decide which way am I going to go towards Mm -hmm. somebody who might want to have a baby or to stay with somebody I really like a lot who is very clear they don't want a baby and um, I was at the age where I had to pick and uh, and it was a little hard, you know, because I had... I felt like I was losing a lot. But then then when I sat with it and 
sort of took apart all the pieces of being a mom, I realized that I, I only wanted certain pieces that were definitely not, didn't equate with having a child or trying to have a child. It just, it was like not my thing, even though I felt so much pressure to be a woman in that way. And, and, and a lot of like legitimate grief and loss when I walked away from it which isn't something I ever thought I would feel, but it was there. It was like, wow, okay, I have to go through these feelings. And my right, partner was right. was really, really there for me. And I sought out community. I put an ad on Craigslist for women who had chosen not to have a child who wanted to chat with me about it. And I had like four or five women have conversations oh, with me. That. Which, You know, there there's nowhere to go to find those women. So mm-hmm. I found a few and that really helped me feel like, okay, I'm not alone. And then I asked my mom, you know, what do you think? And she said, you never wanted kids, even when you were little. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that helps. <laughs> Thanks. Because, <laughs> you know, I figured there was some wisdom there that she might be able to give me. It's <laughs> very, very helpful. Plus, she never pressured me to have kids, which mm. was immensely, immensely helpful <laughs> yeah. on the journey to decide, you know, what was right for me. So I... I know a little bit about, I didn't go through the journey of trying, but I went through the the journey of deciding, you know, Mm -hmm. deciding to walk away. Actually, I just had a flash. My parents loved antiques and they had this antique cradle. And my mom lived in Italy before I was born and she kept beer in it. And um, (laughs) (laughs) she she said the Italian neighbor would always come in and I guess he'd bring her beer. I don't know. He would come in the house and he would say, where is the baby? And she'd be like, (laughs) No, it's the beer goes in the cradle. Because <laughs> <laughs> at that point in her life, she didn't think she was going to have a baby. Because oh, they had tried and tried okay. and tried and tried and given up. And now they had beer in the cradle, you know. And then, <laughs> and then, and then you're all surprised. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Move the beer. It's a baby now. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. well, thank you so much for sharing the story with me and with us and I look forward to sharing out your blog post with which has the some of the images from your journal and you have the video walkthrough of your journal that you kept during yeah, the time yeah 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 I'm glad to share it with you and anyone who resonates or is inspired to create their own ritual and you know, I mentioned the blog post that part of it was inspired by a woman who had a ritual around starting menopause and what that meant to her. So I, I really I really love to encourage others to think about those major life transitions. Like even like leaving a job and starting a new one or moving to another state, which <laughs> I'm about to do. Like I've been thinking about like, oh, I, I'm going to be letting go of California, you know, and what does that mean to me as born in San Francisco and, you know, born and raised here. So I think there's lots of space for ritual Mm. in our lives if we make it. Yeah. If we have that conversation and we listen and respond. I am so grateful to Tristy for sharing a personal and beautiful story with us. I don't know about you, but I am super inspired by her and her work. If you have dealt with infertility, made a similar decision to let go of having children, have experienced a miscarriage, or if you've simply chosen not to follow that path, know that you are not alone. 
there is a community out there of women who get it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tristy Taylor is an interfaith minister and ritualist, providing support and companionship to those that live on the fringes beyond traditional religion. She firmly believes that all people deserve to have rituals and ceremonies that honor life transitions, regardless of their spiritual beliefs. She has had major personal life experiences around grief and death and is comfortable supporting others during these very human experiences. You can find out more about her work at createwithspirit.com. You can hear a longer version of the same interview where Tristy shares more about what her time sitting Shiva looked like. That's on the KPFA Women's Magazine archives. Look for the link in the show notes. Our music is by Terry Hughes. Learn more at shanepinata.com. I'm Colleen Thomas. Thanks for listening. <laughs>